Welcome into the Husker 24-7 podcast. I am Mike Schaefer, joined by Michael Bruns, Brian Christofferson. It's a snowy day here in Lincoln, but we are here to bring you rays of sunshine with Nebraska coverage. Mm-hmm. I don't know where I came up with that or why. What sunshine can you bring to the good folks I t- of I, Nebraska? Again, our best stuff happens off the air because I just made you laugh more than I ever have with a comment about being... I forget what I even said. Old. Yeah. You you said, can I just be old? Or let yeah. me just be old. You, you're you not going to like this. Do you want me to continue with my thought on it? Yeah, go. I can handle it. Okay. <laughs> you, in some ways, I, I have a father that's just like incredibly technologically challenged. Yeah. And he has these old speakers, these Kenwood 1980 speakers that he has connected to every TV up until his most recent TV. And... He's brought in, like, I told him I couldn't figure it out. He's brought in other people that have told him that they couldn't figure it out. And now he's looking at the reality in which he has to get a sound bar, mm. and he doesn't like it. And he just, he wants his Kenwood speakers from 1987 to hook up to his 2000, and, you know, 17 LG TV, and it won't do it. I got no problem with his philosophy on that. He's already got these speakers. They work great They're with trusted. the old RCA. They've what? been through some. Why are they working now? They've been through some good Husker football years. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. better better ones early than late. Yeah. So, uh, but no, that comment because I had this conversation last night. It just it caught me. Well, I I am kind of old sometimes, as you guys know. It was in the context though of of wanting ports in your. In your lap seaside cities. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, I don't like when the technology or companies force you to like buy some new product, you know, and, and be do what all the 17 year olds are doing. I want to do what I was doing in 2008 and I want to print out my boarding pass <laughs> and I want to hail a taxi. <laughs> but anyway, none of that has to do with Matt Lubick, does it? No. <laughs> you still want to use dial up? <laughs> No, I don't want dial-up. Dial-up was a... BC just wants a... I would like... Just drive on that computer so he can plug in his AOL discs. <laughs> but before we get to Matt Lubick, what, what rays of sunshine can you bring to the good folks? Uh, well, there, there's new coaches at, at Nebraska. We very quickly got a offensive coordinator announcement on Friday after the announcement that there was no longer an offensive coordinator. Um, it's a, it seems like a good hire. Which Job we never even got to be posted. No. Uh, there, there is a job posted now that we might hear about soon that I think could also be a good hire, which we can also get into. I think I've previewed almost the entire first segment now. Is yeah. that fair? Well, if, if people want if some additional us. additional rays of sunshine, we're going to get into some recruiting. Nebraska has another big visit weekend on tap with multiple guys holding offers. They had a big visit weekend last weekend with guys like Thomas Fedone and others that were on campus, and it looked like it went pretty well. And so we'll get mm-hmm. into all of that. So could be a real positive podcast for those that are looking for some news that, uh, you know, makes them feel better than the weather outside their window if they're here in Nebraska right now. Let's go right into the Matt Lubick thing. What uh, what were your guys' initial thoughts Friday? You You get the news that I don't think, if I can speak for all three of us, surprised anybody at this table on Friday morning uh, that Troy Walters and Nebraska were mutually separating is how it was phrased. Mm-hmm. Take that as you will. Um, 
what what were your thoughts initially when you you saw that and then ultimately Nebraska ending up with Matt Lubick, a guy that sat out the 2019 season after spending a couple years at Washington and then having a long coaching career before that? Um, first off, I, I think Troy Walters, I mean, let's not forget a few years ago, he was a Broyles award finalist and he's, he has a good resume. And so he's going to, he's going to get another shot somewhere. And I think be, um, a strong coach and you can be a good coach and have a season go sideways on you where you just, it just doesn't work for whatever reason. You're not either connecting or there's injuries or the assortment of things. And when it came down to it and you looked at Nebraska's wide receiver position, I know the offensive coordinator tag is attached to all this, and so that's kind of what everybody jumps on because it's the flashier title. But it's wide receivers coach that matters to me here. And I just didn't feel like some guys had developed much in the last year or two. And, um, you know, some of these young freshmen that came in, uh, it didn't work out. Uh, right away for them last season. So we're still waiting to see what Darian Chase, Demarion Houston, Jamie Nance can do. And then you've got this exciting crop of guys coming in in uh, 2020 that you need somebody to really connect with and develop them. Um, so I, I just feel like Scott Frost kind of probably looked at his wide receiver spot and said, we just need a f- fresh start here and see if another voice can get this thing going. And Brunt's with that wide receiver room, what Matt Lubick inherits, he's got a great opportunity to kind of build some depth real quickly with, with a lot of talent. I mean, Nebraska has recruited to that room significantly better as of late than they did necessarily when Troy Walters got here in December and with that transition class. Yeah, Tro- Troy Walters really kind of had to rebuild things. Um, and, and I think he got some help in doing that. I mean, he, you know, Ryan Held's fingerprints or on a lot of those wide receiver commitments that were there but uh, you know that you've got Omar Manning coming in JD Spielman's there um, the the three young guys that Brian mentioned Elante Brown's here now it it seems like there's an opportunity for somebody who's good at developing wide receivers to develop those guys and and you know Scott Frost talked multiple times this season about needing to be more explosive at wide receiver, needing to get more separation. I mean, it, there it's probably, you know, how you view Nebraska's issues on offense this past year, whether you think wide receivers were getting open or not with regularity. I, I tend to think that maybe they weren't, um, you know, outside of maybe J.D. Spielman. So that that's where I, I think he needs – he can make his immediate mark. And, and you know, you, you also factor in that he's really – a a sounding board on offense in terms of strategy and scheme for Scott Frost based on their history together. So, and, and that's even when, when Lubick was out of football. Yeah. They even used him as a consultant. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I think that that's also the value of just having another voice that they can kind of bounce things off of. Yeah. And I mean, the, these two together, sometimes you want to be with, next to a guy who you had the success of, you felt winning before with that guy. And I know the Oregon situation was humming along when those two were together from 2013 to 2015. It was already kind of an elite program. Nonetheless, if you go back and look at the numbers, if you go by average uh, gain per pass attempt, they were number one in 2014 in that 
they were number five in 2013, and I think they're number 10 in 2015. And one thing I liked is in 2014, that was the year Oregon made the national title game, and they beat Jameis Winston in the Rose Bowl where he had the the ghost fumble. That was kind of funny. Mm-hmm. That's now a good meme that's out there. Um, look at you, you, that look old. at you, old guy, <laughs> yeah, talking memes. Yeah, is that what it is? Or is it a mem? <laughs> a mem, I believe they're called. Um, but that year, Lubick... I did was reading up on that wide receiver core, and the group that he had starting week one was not the group that was starting by like the Pac-12 championship and the Rose Bowl. Like he, the point it being, he developed some guys that were kind of second or third line guys. It sort of became household names as the year went along, and was willing to shift guys around and um, find the playmaker, even if he wasn't the guy on September first. So. That's a, that's one of those years where you look back and you say that's that's a nice thing to kind of hang on to during this wintry time in Nebraska that he did that and f- him and Frost really got it rolling. So um, it, it makes a lot of sense to me, the hire and, and all those ways. What do you guys make? And I, I think I asked Brunts this on, on the recruiting hour, which people could listen to if they choose to. Uh, I'll let them find it themselves. But – I asked Brunson's BC, what do you make of um, of the year off, of the idea that Matt, Matt Lubick had basically a year away from football? What do you think that necessarily does in terms of kind of where he's at in the profession? I mean, it's kind of unusual to go from year off to now all of a sudden you're an OC coach. Yeah, and, I, and a wide I, think it's, I think it's good, though. Um, in this case, because you guys know full well, it is, it's tough to coach here. I mean, it really is like when you get over there, even it doesn't matter if you're a coordinator or a position coach, your group gets analyzed. It gets discussed for eight months during the off season, uh, because there's not a lot of other distractions around here. So it's always like, well, what do you think about the defensive line? What do you think about the linebacker? Every position is under the microscope, but especially if you attach a coordinator title to your name, like even Javon DeWitt had and had to deal with the cr- heavy critiques of being that, it it can get rough if it's not going well. Um, ask Charlie McBride, who's now the favorite, you know, one of our favorite legends that came through here. At one point, he didn't know anything, according to a lot of people. Um, so I think it's good that you come in with full battery life as a coach where it's like, okay, you're a little, you've got that refresher. You've been with your family, maybe a little bit more. And now it's like, okay, let's go. I think it's that way in any profession. Sometimes when you get to take a deep breath and then you can go again, you you probably appreciate it a little bit more too. I I think when you're away from it. um, Yeah. And, and, and that's, I think there's something to be said for that too. When you're, you know, grinding away at midnight or something during the season, trying to game plan or, um, you know, out on the road recruiting like that you are now, where it's just a, a constant grind. Yeah, Brunts with with recruiting, we've heard a lot of different things as it relates to to Matt Lubick. Where do you kind of come down on parsing through? I mean, you have Chris Carpen from our site uh, talking up, uh, well, from our Arizona State site in the network talking up the the great work that he did in his time there at Arizona State. You have Bruce Feldman tweeting about how people regard him as a tireless recruiter. And then if you talk to some people that were around in the Oregon, Washington time period over the last four or five years where Matt Lubick was at, 
you don't get that indication. So how do you kind of parse through that? Because recruiting is fickle in the way that people discuss players. It is, it is interesting how he kind of is viewed. Because if you look at what he did as a recruiter at Washington, I mean, he was a top 10 recruiter in the Pac-12. Uh, one of the years he was there, he was number 12, I believe, in the conference another year that he was there. So, you know, it's not like he wasn't getting results. And, you know, obviously what he did at Arizona State, I mean, there was one year where he was basically responsible for, I think, what, 13 of the commits that they had that year. Uh, was partially responsible for getting Vontaze perfect uh, out of the L.A. area. It was really good uh, in, in the Inland Empire area of, of L.A. or east of L.A. So, you know, as a coordinator, you know, you kind of wonder how much he's going to actually be tasked with the recruiting, but I, I think he has the potential to be a really nice hire on the West Coast for Nebraska where you, you have Tony Tuioti with some connections there, but you, you don't really have anybody out there that, that has a ton of juice on the West Coast. And I think, you know, he, he kind of gives you an immediate boost there. And it, I mean, we actually, we were in California a couple of years ago during the spring evaluation period, and he was there at Augustus Hawkins the same time we were. And, you know, everybody knew who he was. Uh, you know, they ended up getting Jalen Hall out of that school, even though he didn't stick at Oregon. But uh, I think he's a pretty well-known name uh, and, and recruiter in the L.A. area. And as we've seen with guys like, you know, Dante Williams or whoever, you know, even Travis Fisher in Florida. I mean, if you're well-known in an area, that helps you be able to identify guys earlier and kind of hear who's uh, worth keeping an eye on. Don't you think sometimes, too, that guys' coaching profiles change as they go as they work their way up the ladder to where you, you start to work your way to that coordinator status. And at certain places, it's not that you're not involved in recruiting. Certainly Eric Shenander is involved heavily in recruiting, but um, it sometimes we've seen here, there's been offensive coordinators where I wouldn't say they were like, at the center of the recruiting situation for Nebraska. And so I think well, Danny Langsdorf. Yeah. I mean. And I think the he did his quarterback thing, and that was—I don't recall him being involved really with any other recruits. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the important part to me about Lubick is that he's shown that he has the chops to do it. You know, like if you need him, because he's—he's has those years where you're like, man, that's pretty good. And maybe of late, his role somewhat changes. He became more of a game planner, and that was more of his focus. I'm not sure. Yeah, well, and then you also—I mean, I, I think that you kind of have that year off where you can recharge the batteries. You can recommit to it. You can kind of learn a little bit about how you want to attack things. If you get that next opportunity. And I, I guess I'd be kind of surprised if there wasn't at least some expectation that he was going to have that opportunity. So um, we'll see how it goes for Matt Lubick, but it's, it's interesting. This is one of the more interesting hires in terms of trying to parse through the way that it's spoken about nationally locally and with teams that he had previously been associated with and so uh, but it all comes back to and i think one of you guys made this point and i completely agree it all comes back to where where things go with the wide receiver development i, I think that's the single biggest thing that he's going to be graded on more so than the recruiting more so than cohesiveness and consistency with the head coach of the offensive strategy it's going to be can these wide receivers produce he's got a lot of them uh, there'll be a fun group. It'll be a very fun group by the time you get to fall camp. 
It's, um, it, it's interesting too when you have somebody that kind of has such a long career and, and track record and kind of imagining how they're going to fit into a staff. I yeah. mean, I don't want to connect him in this way, but I mean, it was kind of similar when, when Bob Diaco was hired at Nebraska where it's kind of like, okay, you had this great run at Notre Dame and, you know, well, it's the most not, high profile, not so great run at UConn, but how, yeah. how is that going to mix? I mean, I, I think that Matt Lubick will fit in pretty well because there's a lot of history with Scott yeah. Frost and some of the guys on the staff. But I mean, that's that's kind of where it's at because I mean he, he's been at some really good programs at Oregon, Washington, uh, worked his way up at you know a, a very respected wide receivers coach at Duke. Um, so you know it, there definitely is a track record there, and I, I think that. Uh, that familiarity is also important too because it's year three. You you don't want to have to to bring somebody new in and try and get them up to speed, especially at that kind of a position. Yeah, completely agree. Uh, let's let's jump over to a move that we think could be coming. Uh, something that came out of the the sort of news on Friday of last week. Sean Snyder is a, a real target for Nebraska for a an off-the-field special teams analyst role. Senior special teams, according to the job. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I don't know what the title is going to be, but Sean Snyder is a guy who has really built a strong reputation on special teams play, whether it was when he was an All-American punter for his dad at Kansas State or whether it, when he was an assistant coach at Kansas State. He's won multiple awards across different um, – platforms or different uh, services for his ability as a special teams coach. We know that people around here are very interested in the idea of Nebraska addressing this strongly. And it looks like there could be the the real chance that Sean Snyder is going to join this staff, not as one of the full-time assistants, but in a role similar to that of like Frank Verducci, who has been very valuable to Nebraska. He's not a name that you know of if, if you're not – really into this as a Nebraska fan, but Frank Verducci's done a lot. Sean Snyder could have that same impact, but as an analyst and doing it with special teams. Well, it's an area that needs to be addressed. I mean, there, there's no debating that. I, It would be a fantastic hire um, just based on his track record. Kansas State was always great on special teams, solid. Um, and, you know, I Nebraska's kicking situation was a total mess last year because of injuries. Uh, it was kind of compounded by the fact that uh, you had those injuries and then other guys got injured too. Uh, coverage was a mess. I mean, that Sean Snyder's experience is provides you know an opportunity where if you're Scott Frost, you can not go hands off with it, but you've got a, a pretty established guy to say you know fix this um, in, a, in an off the field way. So I, it can push you in the right direction of your own individual breakout groups that coaches are working on. Too. Sure. Because, I mean, it, it, you've hammered this a lot. I mean, it, it's even if you have a special teams coordinator, it's not necessarily just one guy that's running that show. Everybody's kind of got their hands on it, but you need that person to oversee and, and kind yeah. of be the, the ringleader there. And the nice thing is he doesn't have another responsibility that he has to be overly concerned about beyond just making sure that you're getting formations and technique and everything done correctly and then identifying guides. I mean, I think one of the, the key things of the special teams coordinator would be largely identifying guys that you can put in the right situations that could be good special teams players for you that maybe don't show up elsewhere on the roster. So uh, mm. I think 
this could be a, a really solid move. BC, thoughts on a potential Sean Snyder addition? Well, he was just, I mean, 2017, he was special teams coordinator of the year, according to like ESPN. So, I mean, so he's got some recognition that's pretty recent. And I think if you think about the situation for him there, those who kind of followed Kansas State's what are they going to do after Bill Snyder realize that I think Bill, you know, obviously wanted his son to sort of take over the reins from him and be the head coach. I think K-State made a really good hire uh, with Chris Kleiman and all the stuff he did at North Dakota State. But I can understand where um, if you're Sean Snyder, you know, that's a difficult situation um, when you go a different route. And I think he, he's got kind of a role that's behind the scenes now. And this guy's a coach. He wants to he wants to get his hands dirty and be a part of it and, and get, you know, be involved in that way. And this offers an opportunity. And even though Nebraska-K-State had sort of rivalries over the years, relationship between Osborne and Bill Snyder is very real and it's very genuine and I think the connection there in some ways build this, you yeah. know this possibility all right let's uh let's take a quick time out when we come back we'll get into the recruiting side of things last weekend highlight some guys that'll be out here this weekend and maybe discuss where Nebraska sits uh, with things in their 2020 class with two spots remaining so we will get to all of that and more here on the Husker 24-7 podcast. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Mike Schaefer, Brian Christofferson, Michael Bruns. Nobody left during that break. We're I all did, still here. I did some push-ups. You saw that. Well, you're always trying to work out. Yeah. That's kind of the thing. It, uh, it's always, you know, inspiring to the rest of us that don't work out nearly as much and should. That's why I was brought over to the team to try to influence you guys through my physical <laughs> that, prowess. That was the reason. <laughs> you're Without like, question. You're like Izzy Mandelbaum on Seinfeld <laughs> just shaming us into working out. Yes. Buttercup. <laughs> Can lift it, I can lift this TV over my head. You want me to do it? <laughs> All right. Yes, Seinfeld yes. references. All right. Uh, let's get into recruiting. You guys covered last weekend. I was off uh, taking a trip to Denver. Um, we'll spare the details of that. Nobody that's, needs to know how great it was. And that's not a euphemism. How much it? better? No. No. <laughs> it was actually in Denver. Uh, and how much better the weather was and all of those things. But. What uh, what happened with Nebraska's unofficial junior day? Brian, you want to start? Uh, okay. You talked to a couple uh, key I, names. I did. Uh, they 
uh, I talked to some of the guys who were going to be involved in the, the past game, like Thomas Fedone and uh, Keegan Johnson and uh, Brecht. What's Brecht's first name? Brody. Brody Brecht. I forgot. Um, the thing that was interesting was Matt Lubick wasn't there yet. So um, Scott Frost was basically taking those guys through some film of stuff they did at Oregon and UCF and Nebraska and being like, this is, this is what – we did do when Matt Lubick was with me at Oregon and some of the routes you'd be running and why it worked and why we hired this guy. And we think he's going to be dynamic of course, and all that stuff. Uh, so guys like hearing about that. Um, but also I think Scott Frost told a guy like Thomas Fedone, like we need you, man. We don't have a guy quite like you. I mean, I think they like Chris Hickman a lot, but the idea of pairing Hickman and, Fedone together is very appealing. And especially as you think about Nebraska's scholarship chart, by the time Fedone signed somewhere, you're going to be gone. Jack Stoll's gone. And then uh, you've got a crop of guys in Vokalek and, let's see, Raftall and Allen who will be seniors. So basically, there's only one after one season that a guy like Fedone would be on campus. That thing, room is wide open, and it's basically him and Hickman at that point. Yep. So yeah. that's why he's, to me, one of the biggest deals in the class. He got a lot of one-on-one time with Becton. Uh, Keegan Johnson, I think, is, you know, he's a legacy guy, so most expect him to end up at Nebraska. He's maybe going to delay his decision a little bit further than I, I thought. Uh, sounds like it could be a summer deal, but he just wants to, you know – dot his eyes, cross his T's, and he wants to meet Lubick, which was going to happen this week. Lubick was hitting the ground this Wednesday as a recruiter. You, you talked a little bit with him about his relationship with Troy Walters, too. Yeah. Uh, that Get into that a little bit. Well, yeah, he did. That It's important to highlight that stuff because I think it's easy sometimes to, like, look like, ah, good riddance, you know, when a coach leaves. And I hear some of that talk, and it's a little harsh. Uh Troy Walters connected with some guys, um, and he connected with Keegan Johnson. Um, I think they sort of had a faith-based background that they shared, but also uh, Troy Walters was, you know, texting him before and after every game, and you, you build this bond with a coach where you believe that's going to be your guy for a few years, and then suddenly it's like, oh, nope, that's not happening. And, you know, you're – 18 years old and making the biggest decision you've made in your life so far, uh, it's only natural to take a step back and say, just let me take a deep breath here, meet the new guy, and, and then go from there. So I think nothing that Keegan Johnson said should be alarming. I think it's just what you would expect in that situation if any of us were in it. Yeah, and uh, Brunch, you were able to catch up with guys like Derek Wilkins, who came out from California for this weekend. And then you also talked to Tyler Hibbler, from St. Louis, Hibbler walked away with an offer. What about Wilkins? Yeah, he Derek Wilkins has been here from Nebraska since basically the, the start of his junior year. He's at Santa Margarita Catholic, which you might recognize as the former high school of one Johnny Stanton uh, in the L.A. area. Uh, also he, the nicest campus I've ever been on. Yeah, it's uh, probably nicer than most, some colleges, I would guess. <laughs> he... Uh, couldn't make it for a junior day. Came out this past weekend for a couple days. Um, kind of blown away by, as you would expect, by the facilities at Nebraska. I mean, this is a kid that had all Mountain West and Pac-12 offers, had only visited schools in the Pac-12. And I think you kind of forget that sometimes, that even though it's a Power 5 conference, 
I mean, the, the Big Ten's kind of on like a different level when it comes to the, the kind of money they're dumping into things. Um, and he said that was kind of his big takeaway. He left without an offer. Uh, Tony Tuioti is supposed to be in the L.A. area. I think he said early next week. Feels like a guy that's probably close to an offer, but they, they want to kind of – I think they want to wait and see how big they think he can get because he's right around 220 pounds now. He's going to have to add a lot of weight to, to be uh, – Do a, they want to stay on the defensive line with they, him? Yeah, they said depending on how he grew, uh, he could be either inside or outside. But uh, that that's a, a guy I think to maybe watch as a future offer. One other guy that's kind of intriguing that you didn't mention, I also talked to, Tyler Morrow. I believe it's Maro, M-A-R-O, uh, out of the, the Quad Cities. Six foot eight, 240, 245 pounds is what we list him at. Uh, also doesn't have a Nebraska offer. He's another guy that I think Nebraska is keeping a really close eye on uh, at offensive tackle. Uh, kind of start to think a little bit about, okay, you, you pair him with a guy like Teddy Prohaska. Uh, that's, uh, that's some size uh, on the ends. And... Uh, he's wanting you get to him hanging out with Jimmy Fritchie and yeah. Brant Banks and yeah. Bryce Benhart and yeah, just like get must be this tall to, to play offensive <laughs> lineman at Nebraska. Um, so you know that that's I think one to maybe watch down the road. I think Louisville um, and Saint, uh, South Dakota State are his two offers right now, but he's got a lot of interest from Big Ten schools. So I think are kind of waiting to see how much he grows in the spring, maybe take a look at him in camp one more time. But he's been at Nebraska three times now, so uh, there's obviously some interest there. Uh, and then you mentioned Tyler Hibbler uh, out of the St. Louis area. Uh, safety corner, kind of the the Travis Fisher special where you don't really recruit a position. but They're going to cross-train. They're, they're going to cross-train. He plays a little outside linebacker, too, at, at Trinity Catholic uh, in St. Louis, which has produced a ton of – uh, D1 prospects in the last few years. Uh, he said the Nebraska offer was a big one for him. I think he's going to be a guy that as the spring goes along is going to pick up a lot of steam offer-wise. Uh, he's got Arkansas, West Virginia, Nebraska. Uh, Minnesota's interested. Iowa State has offered. Right, has not offered, but he's going there this weekend. So, you know, Nebraska, again, trying to, I guess, dip a toe into St. Louis, and we'll see how that plays out. But um, he, he was another guy that I, I think, you know, you look at his ranking, I think Nebraska, uh, 24-7 ranks him as an, an 83 overall, which, you know, a lower three-star prospect. But I, I think he's got a real high ceiling uh, based on kind of what he showed as his junior season because it was, it was an earlier mm-hmm. ranking too. I have a question for you. It's about the walk-on kicker who you spoke to. Oh, uh, yes. Because uh, a lot of people are intrigued by that because the, the, it's going to be wide open. What What did you get out of – talking to him and where that is yeah so tyler crawford uh kicker punter kickoff specialist out of oklahoma started hearing from nebraska late december he said his first first uh nebraska first reached out on december 20th doesn't have uh any offers right now but they they really like him as uh, you got the nebraska preferred walk-on offer but uh Nebraska likes him as either kicker punter or kickoff specialist. And I think that's kind of how they're approaching things right now is to bring as many guys into the program as they can. To not have last year happen ever again. Yes. Um, so, you know, you've got Chase Contreras. Contreras? Contreras. Contreras. Uh, he's on campus now from Iowa Western. Um, the, you have obviously the interest in Crawford. Uh, you still have guys back from last year, Matt Waldock. Uh, 
Dylan Jorgensen, uh, Barrett Pickering, who is on scholarship. Is on scholarship. Uh, so, you know, if that room is healthy, it's going to be a pretty intense competition there, I think, and especially if you have a potentially new special teams coordinator coming in and how that all kind of shakes out. But I don't know that I would say that any job in that room is safe or promised at this point. And, and that's what they told Tyler Crawford was, look, all the jobs are open. Um, come in and compete. And I, I think he was kind of intrigued by that. So, uh, you know, what other guy to kind of keep an eye on that uh, I haven't gotten a straight answer out of? Uh, Reese Vernon, who was a, a punter at the uh, All-American Bowl in San Antonio, holds a Nebraska preferred walk-on offer, was talking about maybe getting up to Lincoln uh, but, but before the, uh, the end of the visit period to take a look. That might be another guy to, to you know, maybe – watch in terms of adding more competition at punter yeah it was at the all-american bowl yep participating and there's what did you mention him pristip pristip as, as well as yeah the, the, the don't guy, forget pristip as, as the guy that's uh you would feel like has a pretty good <laughs> what <laughs> did you forget pristip i i did momentarily yeah. and then and then i remembered and i was glad he's, he's there too so it's uh it's gonna be a a battle royale <laughs> to figure out the jobs there. Yeah, and then you you brought all of that great recruiting news, and here's the thing. This weekend coming up, Nebraska's expected to have a number of guys back in and different ones this time that are equally as important. I mean, they're going to have, uh, from Steve Wilfong put out there today, they're going to have guys like Raquan Buckley that will be out here, uh, a defensive lineman from Michigan that Nebraska's really kind of gone hard after and I think are trying to get him to commit with his family when he's out here this weekend. So that's a six foot six kid that can play on the defensive line. That sounds like that's what he wants to play. Um, whether he gets to make that decision entirely, six foot six, two sixty. Um, you know, Nebraska I think was showing interest on the offensive line as well, but I think they're willing to do either and just kind of see where it goes. We saw that with guys like Ethan Piper and Brant Banks that ultimately ended up on offense. But uh, Raquan Buckley is certainly a name to know. And then you're going to have Seth Malcolm in from Iowa as well. You're going to have uh, TJ Bowlers is expected to be in from Iowa as well. You're going to have Avante Dickerson back. I mean, it's going to be a big visit weekend. And Nebraska is going to have an opportunity to continue to kind of show itself. And I, I cannot stress enough the value of getting these kids from Iowa that has such a banner year of 2021 talent over here multiple times. I know Nebraska has not won a lot of games. I know that Iowa has beaten Nebraska, I think, what, we're at five straight times now yeah. at this point? So it, it certainly matters that Nebraska can show these guys an alternative and that they believe in it. And, and when you have someone – you know, like a Seth Malcolm, you have Iowa State involved. TJ Bowlers, you have Iowa State involved. Fedone, it's more Iowa. I mean, so having these guys on campus multiple times is huge. Getting Avante Dickerson back is huge. I just, I think they've done a really nice job of really going after 2021. And I think they're going to try to put together a, a pretty strong class here quickly. Unlike last year where it, it took a little bit more time for things to get rolling. They're already at four commitments right now, and if they can continue to add to that, they're not going to put themselves in a position where they have to get double-digit guys over a short period of time. They were able to do it. I don't think they ever want to do it again. 
it's going to be a pretty active spring in yeah. terms of oh. official visits, right? Yes. I, I think they have 18 left to use at this point uh, for the 2020 and 2021 cycle. I'm not really projecting any guys right now coming in 2020-wise. Chris Abrams' drain was here last weekend. I don't know if we talked about him. I apologize if you mentioned it, but he uh, he really has not talked to anybody outside of AL.com, the, the newspaper down in his area, and basically said he liked the visit, liked the offense. Nebraska is better than anticipated, could see himself here. We'll see what happens. I think this is a case where he's just a terrific athlete that Nebraska sees as available and thinks if he wants to be a part of it, great. If not, you know, we're not out of anything. And he's going to Missouri this weekend. Missouri it? this weekend. Yeah. And I think he's already – he went to Oregon. Um, it was originally Oregon, Florida State, and Nebraska is what yeah. the lineup was, right? And I think and that's changed a bit. I, I know he's no longer – Ole Miss is no longer an option. Um, I think he changed his visit weekend that he was going to Oregon after Nebraska, but not on a weekend, I think I saw. So uh, we'll see what plays out for Chris Abrams' drain. But uh, I, I wouldn't rule that one out entirely. I just don't know if Nebraska is going to end up with him. But he's a, he's an interesting kid. So wanted to wanted to mention that. Uh, do we want to talk basketball on their current losing streak? Do you want to yeah. get a little hoops in? Let's get a little hoops in. All right. Let me uh, let me send it over and you send it home. Well, I, I think obviously Nebraska's riding their the, the losing streak right now. I think they're I thought that they played decent bat decent enough basketball against Wisconsin. I thought they played well. I mean, they got it was unfortunate Wisconsin was red hot from three, but if Wisconsin shoots at a normal clip, Nebraska's in that game with close and late. You know, I mean they. They had a better backcourt. Wisconsin couldn't stop Burke or if they wanted to get uh, to the man, rim, they were yeah. getting to the rim, and they finished for once. Yeah, well, I, I think the thing is too is is we're seeing what Nebraska basketball is going to do defensively from a scheme point of view. Like they're going to pack the paint, they're going to try to rebound, and they're just basically going to dare teams to make shots from the outside. Worked against Iowa um, really mm-hmm. well. Not so well against Wisconsin, um, who was making everything, but I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. And it just, I mean, Nebraska is who they are at this point. Like, you know, you're going to have to kind of pick your poison a little bit. And I know that some people were saying, well, you know, why isn't Nebraska stepping out and guarding the three more? That was the plan. They were going to give Wisconsin the chance to, to miss shots from the outside. It didn't work, and Nebraska wasn't able to score enough points to make up for that. I mean, that that's basically where they are right now. Yeah, I mean, there's a – what is it, a four-game losing streak now? Is that where we're at? I mean, when you look at that stretch, I think the disappointing games to me are Northwestern when they dug themselves in the ditch. I was watching a bad Vikings game at the time, I admit, but <laughs> – uh, I looked up and they're down like 19 points or something to Northwestern mm-hmm. and uh, Indiana last week at PBA was I felt like an entertaining game. This team is entertaining even in defeat. Like, right. but they had that they had the stretch. You know, they started strong, and then uh, you know there's that stretch where they really let the game get away from them. Kind of the end of the first half, early second half, and you you know they just don't have the goods all around as a basketball team to climb back from 19 points down, uh, you know, in the big 10, but I can Mac, 
is fun to watch. And what I'm starting to realize is people in the Big Ten regard him as a real headache. I mean, like Indiana and those guys afterward outside their locker room were just mm-hmm. like, that guy is a problem with the ball and just how fast he is, you know, and the way he sees a couple passes ahead, like Archie Miller said. So there have been fun portions of this team, even though the record's not going to be pretty. When you're watching this team, and I totally agree with Cam Mack. I mean, I, I'm trying to think if there's a player in the last 10 years that is just like kind of like must-see appointment-type basketball watching. In a, I mean, Petaway, maybe? Yeah, when Petaway really had it when going he got that it going. one year, it was probably kind of that way. But you can see where if you put the pieces around Cam Mack where this Nebraska has the chance to be good quickly. And, you know, you've got three three guys coming off of redshirt years that they feel really good about, especially Banton. I, I think if you put – hell, you put Cam Mack and Delano Banton in your backcourt, um, I mean, that's a, a matchup nightmare for a lot of ways. But you, you can see where if you had guys that can, can could consistently knock down shots from the outside, this team looks totally different. I mm-hmm. mean, if, if Matej Kavas just shoots what he shot – at Seattle. Yeah, he's struggling. And you have Thor doing what he's doing, and you have a couple guys in the 40s instead of one. Right. I mean, you get Gervais Green playing what you thought he was going to be coming out of the junior college ranks. I mean, it's there's some guys that I think they were counting on to be scorers and, and really big contributors that just have not played even to what they were when, when they were being recruited. So, I mean... I, I can see it. You can see how this is going to work and how this is mm-hmm. going to be a real, a real. It's going to create trouble for I, opponents quickly. I think they're going to knock ten. off a ranked team or two in the next month. Like I, I think they're going to get a scalp or so. I, like I, I just think that they're a different team than they were in November, and I think they actually are playing better and not getting necessarily great results. But they're going against the best conference in the country. Right. I mean, what, it, what was it? The there's twelve teams in the top 40 of the NET rankings right now in the Big Ten, something like that. Like, it's just a – like, I think there's two games going forward where Nebraska doesn't play a top 40 team in to the win, NET. there's 14 teams in the conference. Right. So, right. I mean, it's hard. Right. It is it's very hard right now. And it's you're, – you're seeing individual development, I think, that is, is positive for Nebraska. I mean, Kevin Cross had 17 points off the bench against Wisconsin. And, I mean, he wasn't taking over that game or anything. But, I mean, if you can get a guy – like him to give you a 10 points off the bench yeah. at night in the big 10. I mean, that's, and, and he's to his credit lost a ton of weight since he's been there. He's not, he's playing out of position. And I, I think he, he plays it well though. He does. He it, plays a stretch four really, really well. He, um, he, fits he gets to offense. the rim better than people think too. Yeah. So, I mean, he's improved. I, I think in stretches, you've seen Ivan improve as a 17 year old kid still. Yvonne. Yvonne. Yeah. You gotta give him the French side of it. Okay. You just call him Ivan. You gonna call him Ivan the Terrible? That's rude. Sorry. Uh, you got me all flustered now. Uh, but I mean, both of those guys. First BC, then you. I'm just being a jerk today. Yeah. Um, but I mean, so I mean, there, there's positives there, and, and you're seeing improvement as the season goes along. Which I don't know that you would necessarily have said that about a lot of Nebraska basketball teams in recent memory. So. 
you, you take your pauses where you can get them at this point, but the thing I you, love you can most, see the light. Yeah, you can. The thing I love the most is when there's like a timeout or a key possession and Hoiberg's got a second to come up with something. Mm-hmm. It's always fun. Yeah. Like they against Indiana, they had that sequence where, uh, was it Charlie Easley kind of knocked the ball out of bounds? And I wasn't sure it might've went off easily, but they kept it with Nebraska. So they had like a minute while they were reviewing the call to, you know, huddle up. And Hoiber comes out with this play that was just simply beautiful where I think it was Thor who ends up cutting to the hoop and getting a layup. Mm-hmm. And it was just so easy in the way they worked it. It was, it was a thing of basketball beauty. I, I have little doubt it's going to work. Like, I know that initially in November, it just it looked so ugly, and then they got curb stomped by Creighton, and people were already sort of like And Southern Utah up. and UC yeah. Riverside. Right. They were they were sort of giving up at that point, but I think he's a really good coach, and I've seen improvement on some of those guys. And you look at Thor, never expected him to be able to do this. Like, it, the, the shooting improvement, the spacing, like, I think Thor has a really high basketball IQ, and they've tapped into that. Cam Burke has improved, or Cam Burke, Cam Mack has improved in ways. Deshaun Burke is playing more like the player I think Nebraska thought that they were getting than the one that was not particularly good in November. Uh, they're fun. Like, they're, they're a fun team to watch. They weren't for, I think, the first six weeks of the year. And then they kind of have morphed into it now. It, it sounds simple, but, like, they just need to cut the stretches where they just play, like, Head scratching basketball because I mean that that was the problem against Northwestern, uh, against Ohio State, where as great as the the offense is and it's flowing and Cam Max getting to the rim and all this other stuff, and they just they just it's like they they like black out like Will Ferrell in old school, and just play like bad basketball. Yeah, but for when like he blacks five, out, good I know, things happen. I know. But like there, there's like five or six minute stretches where it just seems like everything collapses. Like the, mm-hmm. the defense is terrible. Deshaun Burke is shooting shots off the side of the backboard, which he did uh, in, in one of the home games from the corner. Like if you can cut those things down, I think that you can at least give yourself a, a fighting chance. So that's that's my takeaway. Stop playing brain dead basketball for about six minutes a game, and you're great. Great. You're in it. You have a shot. You're in it. Yeah. Excuse me. They play. I I know you. Yes. Rutgers Saturday, right? Yes. At a sold rack. Sold out rack. Where people, when they stand up, are in the camera shot. Yeah. (laughs) A big possession, and you can't even see on TV. Amazing. What an assessment. Well, there's that there's that screen cap of the guy turning around, like giving a (laughs) thumbs up at the camera. They have a weird thing, and you remember. I don't know if Oklahoma State has ever changed it, but do you remember what, if you ever watch Oklahoma State on TV and basketball, they have like sort of a weird camera angle where it's like you're over the top almost. Mm-hmm. Of, you're like hovering over the floor. Yeah. It's really. Well, they have kind of an interesting arena. There's not yeah. like a lot of space for them to kind of get the camera and everything else. So, I snuck into Gallagher Iba. That doesn't surprise anyone at this <laughs> It's on table. your list. Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> All right. Um, we got anything we need to plug? Uh, subscribe to the podcast if if you're not already. If you leave just, us a review, if you're if you're hearing this on the site, um, Spotify, we're on there. iTunes, um, Google Play, Stitcher. I mean, what, whatever your Podbean, what, whatever your drug of choice is for podcasts, we're we're on there. Let it let us uh, sell you some pod. <laughs> <laughs> All right. 
Well, Brian, any closing thoughts? I don't. My thoughts have they're they're gone. All right, well, good luck in your battle, your daily battle against technology advance. <laughs> yeah, that's a losing battle, Just but creeping forward. No, such you're str- holding your corner. Such a strange hill to die on, probably with a musket. <laughs> Black powder. Where's all my right. USB port? Well, you can catch all of our stuff at Husker 24-7. We'll be back with another podcast next week.